The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello, everyone. I am Jordan Hall. You're listening to the Flyers Talk Podcast. I'm Brooke Destra. <laughs> Not Katie Emmer. Not Katie. But we are excited to have Brooke on. She's filling in for our esteemed colleague, Katie Emmer, who I believe is back home in Minnesota celebrating her grandmother's birthday, which is awesome. Well, I definitely have some big shoes to fill, and I'll make sure to throw in a dab at the end just for her. Brooke, you'll have to do a dab, and you'll definitely have to uh, give us a good hockey joke. I will try my hardest. Yes. But uh, but we're confident in your abilities to do that. But uh, we have a lot of fun hockey to talk about, Brooke. Not only do we have a Flyers team in postseason contention, but we're talking about first place. Can you believe that we are talking about first place right now in the Metropolitan Division? I don't know, Jordan, but can you smell something? It's the cup. It's the cup. It's the cup. It's the cup, <laughs> the cup is coming down Broad Street. Oof. But Brooke, we we were laughing because we we did a predictions post for NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. We did a few. We did one which we called the, a fearless forecast, where you, myself, and uh, Katie Emmer uh, had two bold predictions apiece, and then we also did an overall team Flyers prediction piece with a Stanley Cup prediction. And uh, Brooke, let's look at yours. Yours is pretty darn close to I'm what we're looking at. I'm gonna say I hit the nail on the head with this one. You sure did. I was actually talking about this on social media the other day and a lot of people were like okay but do you have the receipts and I was like do I have the do receipts I. so basically for the fearless forecast I said that let's see that Sean Couturier was going to win the Selkie yes. and basically a few weeks ago he was the if the season ended he was going to be the winner yeah, so he got voted as the midseason number one Let's uh, check that Professional one Hockey off. Writers Association. So he's right there. <laughs> so good news for that. And then I also had a new milestone for Konechny, where he was going to hit the 30 goal mark. And right now he's leading the team in goals, I yes. believe. And he's projected right now for 29. Yeah. But he better hit 30. Yes. Because I just want to. Because that would make you very close to two for two on that. I know. So, and then looking ahead for the Flyers for their season outlook, I said that they were going to fly under the radar. Yeah. They were going to have a 100-point season. They were going to make the playoffs dot, dot, dot comfortably. Yes. That was the, that's how I started that off. Yes. And I'd say that that's pretty accurate right now and like 99.9% .9 chance of making the postseason. Yeah. So I'd say I killed it. Yes, you did. <laughs> Please, I want you to brag. That, that's incredible. I always love kind of revisiting those predictions, especially at this time of year. Um, and I remember you and Katie were very optimistic about this team. I liked, I liked the team as well. I had a little more reservation just because I, I wanted to see how things played out. But um, I think in that article, I had them around nine, I had them at 97 points. 
I had them as a wild card team and losing in the first round. So Boo. yes, I'm glad I, <laughs> I deserve booze. I hope uh, I hope we have a longer run than that. Um, and it, and it's it's fun, Brooke. Like I'm I'm looking at Hockey Reference every single day and always just looking at their uh, playoff probabilities for each team. And I remember not long ago the, they had them as like a 50% chance to make the playoffs. Right. Now they're at 97.6% going into today, Tuesday. We are recording this Tuesday. 97.6% to make the playoffs. They have a 19.5% chance to win the division and an 18% chance at a wild card berth. So that tells you they have a better chance to win the division than the wild card, uh, one of those wild card berths. That's, that's pretty exciting. And it's crazy to think about where the team was just a few weeks back where not only us as writers and viewers but the players were like we're just hoping to grab one of those wild card spots and now it's like they have the chance to win the division yeah be the best team in the most difficult division in the league and that's just I feel like not a lot of people expected it I'm happy that I have been an optimist this whole season for sure um so no bad takes are coming back at me on social media I love it fire back at them Pew, pew. Yes, <laughs> I love it, and w- that kind of leads us into a topic that we've been um, we've been laughing about. But that's the fan base. The ba- uh, I think a lot of people are saying, "Well, here come the bandwagon fans!" Like finally, people are talking about hockey on radio, and uh, the Flyers are finally getting the attention they deserved. And then some of the the diehard fans are thinking, "Well, we don't want <laughs> you know yeah, these bandwagon the, fans." The, the wagon's full. Yes, we're thinking about the playoffs. You're like in the dust yes I mean I think if Philadelphia kind of trends with the best team I right now it's clearly I think the Flyers no biasm or anything yes um but it's it's an exciting time because it hasn't been it's been about a decade yeah since the Flyers have really been the talk of the town so it's a pretty big adjustment right now for fans who might have fallen off over the years where they've hit below average for seasons and inconsistent playoff appearances so people are excited they're hopping back on and I don't think there's anything wrong with it just you know don't act like you've been around the whole time yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I agree I think there's uh, I think you see it in every single market big or small when a team starts playing well and the excitement starts brewing naturally more fans hop on board look at the Phillies during their golden era they really struggled to put fans in the seats um, even with the new ballpark but when that team started ripping off division title after division title they went on a sellout streak and that was the place to be Citizens Bank Park Park was the place to be during the summer (laughs) and that's what happens when you start to win and you start to build excitement and you warrant uh, attention uh, fans hop on board, and I think that's an exciting thing. It's good to at least have fans that are interested, uh, and they they're plugged in. And they know when a team is winning or losing. I think that passion is good, and I don't blame a lot of Flyers fans for having some apprehension going into this season. Like you said, Brooke, this team for about a decade was pretty stagnant. Uh, there was some staleness to it. Uh, they have not won a playoff series since since 2011 and 12. Um, and they kind of remained the same. There wasn't a ton of change. Um, and that's not a knock on the core that's here. I think we're seeing that the core still has a lot left in the tank. I think they needed a lot of help. Yeah, there's and a bunch they've of gotten to, they've new gotten faces. It. Yes. Uh, 
the youth of the team with a great combination of the veteran core, solid goaltending. Nobody understands, or technically everybody understands, just how important it is to have a star goaltender that you can rely on night in and night out. And that's just, I think the Flyers have a pretty great duo right now with Carter Hart and Brian Elliott. So that is a level of comfort, I believe, for a lot of people. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. There's... I think people are being cautiously optimistic about it because they went from zero to 100 so fast about, are they making the postseason to, holy crap, they have the best odds to win the cup. So people are like, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. But really, when's the last time people have been talking about the Flyers and the Stanley Cup in the same sentence? Yeah. The last time they were in the cup finals. Yes, literally 2010. (laughs) So it's, it's pretty exciting to see how things are changing and there's an eagerness to the postseason instead of all right they just snuck in this first round exit like people are really looking forward to this postseason run and I mean I am as well I'm sure you are too I am and I and I think there should be excitement I don't, I don't want fans I don't think fans should have to say oh well, I'm going to be cautious here I know the Flyers I no, you know what they're not a fringe playoff team right now they're a top six team in the league mm-hmm. uh a top three team in the league since November 1 and since January 8th, no team has more points than their 33. Three other teams do, the Avalanche, Bruins, and Lightning. Uh, since January 8th, they, all four of those clubs have 33 points. But they, they're right there with some of the best teams in the league. They've beaten um, a wide range of the best teams in the league. Uh, so, no, I think people should be excited because, yeah, there's a lot of newness to this team, too. Like, that's where I think the excitement should be as well. Sure. It's not the same group. It's not... You know, there's a di- the front office is different. The coaching staff from across the board is different. And there's a lot of new faces that have been huge to augment- augmenting and supplementing this core group. And then the youth has taken huge strides, and they finally have stability in that. There's just a lot to be excited about, and I don't think fans should hold it back. I think they should be excited. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, I think it also kind of turns the discussion to we keep saying, you know, they're up there with some of the best teams in the league, but – they are one of the better teams in the league as well. So, right. like, to see how things have turned around so quickly from last season to this season, and I've seen a lot of people on social media from around the league, not just in Philadelphia, going, I thought Philly was in a rebuild. What the heck happened? Right. So it's crazy to see that they've kind of flown under the radar for so long this season just because of how tight the Metropolitan Division is. Yeah. So to kind of break out, especially – going in the right direction as opposed to kind of all the other teams pushing for a playoff spot trending down it's kind of finally time for the Flyers to get that kind of recognition yeah they finally I think got exactly what they needed they they got hotter and they got more comfortable in terms of a Lane Vigneault system everyone kind of knowing their role and then the division finally cooled off a little bit Mm -hmm. and now it kind of puts the Flyers in this light of whoa, like they're a top six team in this league and all of a sudden people are talking about them on a national level again. So it's, it's really worked out well for them. And now it's just a matter of really finishing over these next 17 games. And it's not going to be easy, but it's, it won't be it's doable. It's so. very doable. And, and Brooke, the game on tap for Wednesday against Whew. the Capitals, they're three points behind Washington for first place in the division. And something we wanted to talk about that has been a major debate among many people that follow this team is the goaltending situation. Now things get a little trickier for Elaine Vigneault and company in terms of deciding who goes out each night. Right. Brian Elliott is going to start Wednesday against the Capitals. 
Um, I got the sense that a lot of fans were upset about that. Uh, how do you feel about that? I understand it, mainly because the fact that the last time Philadelphia came through Washington, they blew them out and Elliott was in net. And he had a very solid showing. Yeah. So why change what's working, what's clicking? And not only that, if you get a really solid performance from Elliott on the road, the next night Flyers are, are hosting Carolina at home, get hard on home ice. Not, It's not a less challenging team by any means. Carolina's obviously in the running for the postseason as well. But the matchup kind of, it plays out pretty well because Elliott's had his fair share of matches against Washington in the past as well. So I think it'll play out. I was curious to see if Hart was going to go Wednesday night just because it feels like his performance on the road is kind of leveling out with how he's performing at home. But when you have that kind of great duo in net, why not try and change things up a bit? Maybe the Capitals were thinking that they were going to play against Hart because they saw Elliot already. Sure. But that's not the case. <laughs> and I think that's the beauty of having a good goaltending tandem right now. I think I don't think Elaine Vigneault really could have gone with a bad choice there. If you go with Carter Hart, uh, you, you're riding your number one, a guy that's playing well. He's starting to build some confidence on the road. And you look at it as like, hey, this could be right now where things stand this could be our biggest game of the season so yes go with carter hart at the same time brian elliott went up there not long ago and beat the capitals uh he's been pretty steady on the road whereas carter has not and then you you save carter for like you said a good situation at home come back you, you have a huge it's still another big divisional game against the hurricanes on thursday night and it's back to back and it's a back so to back they so were gonna have to, have to play right both goalies it's just kind of Honestly, at this rate, I know that there's str strategy between deciding which goaltender, but they're at the point right now where they could kind of just flip a coin yeah. and see which one could go because that's the solid performance that we're getting out of both goaltenders. So I think El Elliot's proved himself left and right this season that he can still hold down the pipes, and that's something that a lot of people were concerned about when they um, – brought him back right in the offseason but I was I was pretty content with it and clearly it's paying off absolutely and I don't think you're trying to coddle or protect Carter Hart but if you're looking strategy wise Carter's won two of his last three away games which uh he's only won four ga road games <laughs> all season he's won 18 at home four so on the progress. road so he's had some progress on the road maybe let him kind of work off that and not throw him out there against the Capitals in D.C. And I don't want to say this, but say he gets lit up against the Capitals, all of a sudden he takes a step back in terms of his confidence and his and his ability on the road. Then you don't get him at home. You have to throw Brian Elliott out there at home. I'm not saying throw him out there like he's bad. Yeah. But you know, you don't get your number one at home. It changes the dynamic and right. brings a level of uncertainty and uneasiness. Not that we can't rely on Brian Elliott, but after a blowout, I mean that's what happened last time before they went into Washington with the Devils. Right. You know, they got blown out at on home ice by New Jersey and then went and steamrolled Washington. Right. So that's just – it's hockey. I get it. <laughs> it's hockey. <laughs> that is hockey to a T. And um, I think 
this is a good problem to have. I think that we're, <laughs> we're debating which goalie to play I think is a really fun thing to do. I get why fans uh, get worked up about it. I think a lot of people look, obviously, as this game is the biggest game of the season, and mm-hmm. why are we not playing our best goalie type of deal? Uh, it's but I, fun to be this nitpicky this yes, late in the season instead of, you know, nail-biter games leading up to the very end of the season. It's, yep. all right, you know, who's going to back us in net for what's probably going to be an interesting game, but, you know, most likely going to get at least a point out of it yeah. with the way that they've been playing lately. Yeah, and you think about it, they haven't lost consecutive games since January 4th uh, and 7th. That's just crazy. Like, that is such a good run, and it's a sign, I think, of a team that's made a lot of progress. Uh, it's a different type of locker room, um, and a ex- very experienced coaching staff that knows how to turn the page. We've seen them turn the page very impressively. Um, it I- kind of brings up the question, Brooke, of we're seeing them play their best hockey by far of the season. Are they peaking too early? I think a lot of fans love to kind of talk about that. Yeah. Are they peaking too early? Uh, no. Yes. (laughs) Um, Very strong. I I keep looking back to all of the drastic changes from last season to this season. And the biggest thing that I notice is no matter what, for the past few seasons, the Flyers have had a really tough time out west. That late December West Coast road trip has always been difficult for them. So when they come back, normally they're making up ground. They start playing playoff hockey from the start of January in any hopes to make the postseason. This year, since they already kind of had laid a foundation to the season before they went out west and, you know, it still wasn't a good turnout. Yeah. But they came back and they weren't that far in the hole. They, were, they didn't have to dig themselves out of something. It was, all right, now it's really go time. So while they're, they are playing playoff hockey now, but if anything, it's just further elevating what they've already had this whole season. And yeah, October was kind of wishy-washy at the start. You weren't sure where the team was going, but new coaches, new faces, new system, that makes sense. December West Coast road trip, you knew how that was going to play out before it already did. I feel like we did. And aside from that, I've just seen really consistent hockey. And if anything, they just keep progressing and they keep growing and the chemistry is just off the charts right now. It's amazing. Yeah, I think it's a sign of a team, exactly what you said, Brooke, that's improving. Mm-hmm. And Elaine Vigneault has said time and time again, an experienced coach who has been there, done that, that the teams that not only get in the playoffs but make a run are the ones that slowly but steadily get better and better and better. And I think that's what we've seen. I don't think we've seen a team that's, oh boy, are they you know, they're getting their best hockey out of the way or we, should we get ready for a bad stretch? No, I, uh, if, I think, if anything, we've seen signs of a team that's going to maybe have a clunker from time to time, but they're going to turn the page really quickly and come back and, uh, and get ready to win another game. So, no, I don't think Flyers fans should be worrying at all about a team peaking. No, the, the biggest thing is, like you were mentioning, it's how they respond after those losses if they were down and defeated and they were like oh like what's the point of trying they'd give up and you know maybe they'd go through a two three game losing streak but that's not the case right you know they make sure to bounce back as quickly as possible and again that's one of the biggest changes that I've seen from this team um comparing it to previous years yeah and a number of guys I've talked to have said like uh Robert Hag said today uh that for once, the, like they're going in 
now none of them think they have anything locked up. No. None of them have that vibe. I, I don't want another important thing though. Right. Like, they're not coasting. They're, they're not still coasting pushing. at all. They're sorry still... to throw you off guard, but that's huge. Okay, continue. No, Brooke, <laughs> you're right. None of them are coasting, and so I don't want to give up the vibe that any of them think like they have something locked up. But a lot of them are talking about, hey, we, um, we we have the chance to get home ice. We have a chance to win the division, and when we get into the playoffs, we're going to be a lot fresher because of it. Whereas instead. Uh, in years past, they were just they were fighting like hell just to get into the playoffs at like game 82, game 81, and then when they got in, not only were they probably pretty tired or worn down, or they knew they had already been playing playoff hockey for months, but then they were going up against one of the biggest dogs, um, one of the top dogs in uh, in the race, and they did. Then they just got a really bad matchup. And they were um, obviously already worn down from just trying to get in. Right. Right now, no. They're now they you know they they're just fighting to to see where they can land uh, in terms of the playoff picture, and that's a great thing because I think they're going to go in um, a lot fresher this time around. And James Van Reems like said that to me uh, last week that he really appreciated the way Elaine Vigneault and the sports science group have constructed their practices, and they've known when to push on the pedal and when to let go a little bit and he, James Van Reems like a guy who's 30 years old and has been in the league a long time said this is the freshest he's felt in about two or three years and that's 60 something games into the season so right. hearing that from a player who has had his time in the league that's huge and I think absolutely and I think that's a sign of some really experienced coaches that know how to build a team up as the season extends and I I th- credit to the, like that's not just the Flyers playing well that's the coaching staff knowing how to prepare the Flyers to play well oh absolutely at this time of the season like Brooke they ran through the Rangers twice like that when they when I when we went up to the garden Madison Square Garden on Sunday I really thought like man New York's going to be a little ticked off at that game at the Wells Fargo Center um they have Henrik Lundqvist back in net uh I was a little concerned about the Flyers and Gosh, they go out and they score three first period goals and they take the life out of the building. And Two I was just, power play goals yeah. and a shorthanded goal. And a shorthanded it goal. It was all on special teams. Yep. I just remember sitting there at the end of the first period going, holy crap, this would have never happened in previous years. No, not a chance. Not even a power play goal in the first period. Nope. I mean, it's sprinkled here and there throughout the season. But two? Two and then a shorthanded. In this economy? Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> yes. I just don't. It's, it's crazy. And... I genuinely try to think back to the time, the last time that this team was so much fun to watch on the ice and to see the guys enjoying themselves off the ice as well. That's a huge factor into the product that they're putting out every single day. And yeah, like everyone, everyone's having fun now and that can't be overlooked. Yeah. Claude Giroux said it not long ago. He said, there's not one guy on this team that comes to the rink and doesn't have a good time. I think that's pretty cool to hear. Uh, from the captain and when I saw them when I saw the Flyers kind of taking it to the Rangers so many times they were transitioning odd man rushes uh their way and I was like wow like this is a product of really good coaching too uh really good coaching that knows how to implement a style and a system that keeps the puck out of your own end and really gets the guys pushing north in a strategic and fundamental way and the Flyers did that a lot. They had a lot of times where they were going north and had the Rangers on their heels. And I felt like last year and years past, we just saw that the opposite. Right. Where the Flyers were 
on their heels and they're trying to stop an odd man rush and it was just not quality hockey. Right. I'm really amazed. I, I knew of Elaine Vigneault's track record. I knew Michelle Terrian had been head coach. I know he had taken a team to a cup final. I knew Mike Yo had been head coach. I knew he had won one out ring uh, as an assistant coach. But gosh, I've been really blown away by these coaching by this coaching staff and how they've prepared the team. Yeah, there's been there was a lot of again speculation at the start of the season where are there going to be too many chefs in the kitchen kind yeah. of situation. Um, power hungry, power struggles with different uh, previous head coaches and the leaving yo. But if anything, it's only benefited this team throughout the entire season because if they find something that's not working they make it they make the adjustments and then they they make it work yeah and i think that that's just something again that you didn't really see in previous years it was like all right we're going to keep trying it until it works yeah that's not the case i mean most of the time you see Vigneault changing lines throughout the games even if it's like one clunker of a shift yeah he's like i didn't like that we're we're changing it we're switching things around so you have to have such a, a level of appreciation for how quickly they want to make adjustments after something poorly happens. Sure. So. Brooke, I wanted to ask you, uh, speaking of Elaine Vigneault, um, the New York Rangers did a very cool video tribute on Sunday uh, during the first period for Elaine Vigneault and Kevin Hayes. I'm sure you saw a video yeah, yeah. of it. Um, I thought that was a really nice touch. Uh, what did you make of it? And I have a funny story to tell about Elaine Vigneault after the game. But uh, what did you make of it? I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was awesome, yeah. um, especially, you know, thanking both Vigneault and Hayes for their time in New York. I also saw some things circulating on social media that there were some boos. Yes, for Kevin Hayes. Yeah, they, <laughs> I saw, you know. The guy was traded. <laughs> yeah, they were like, we fired Vigneault and we traded Hayes, but thank you. Yes, <laughs> I thought that was great. So I thought that that was interesting to say the least and if anything you know we have to be appreciative for the rangers for doing such things because we wouldn't have such solid depth down center and we wouldn't have this fantastic coach behind the bench that's so true um for once i think philly right now is grateful for new york and i think that's pretty cool <laughs> um the very few times in our lifetime yes that philly is appreciative yes. for new york one thing i noticed um i thought the I thought the Rangers did a great job. I thought it was very uh, classy of them to do that divisional game, big game. They did that in the first period. The video tributes were really nicely done. For Kevin Hayes, I think there was a little more emotion involved. He has talked about when he got to New York, he was coming out of college. He was just a college kid. He said, I didn't have a lot of thoughts. Sure. He became a man. He became an adult in New York City. I think that's a pretty cool way to grow up, being thrown into a huge market like that and becoming an NHL player and, and a man. I think there was a little bit more emotion involved there for him. I think it meant a lot to him. For Elaine Vigneault, deep down, I don't think it meant squat. <laughs> and I think there's a level of bitterness, not bitterness, but a level of you guys decided to let me go mm -hmm. uh, for not making the playoffs one season. And I'm going to go to a team within your division and I'm going to do something pretty special in year one. And the first question we asked him after the game was, what did you think of that tribute? How cool was that? Right. He didn't really say thank you. He didn't get emotional. He just said, yeah, you know what? I obviously had some good moments here, but uh, they decided to go in another direction and we've moved on. I'm really happy in Philly. I have a place that I really enjoy here. Wow. And that to me stuck out as, um, I think he's having some pretty fun uh, doing this in year one with a divisional team uh, what better way to kind of 
not rub it in New York's faces, but kind of say, "Oh, it's absolutely rubbing it yes. in New York's faces." I Come think, on, Jordan. <laughs> I, I really do think I really do think he cherished his time in New York, and I think he was appreciative of his time there. But I, I think he really has moved on. I think, and I think there's a level of uh, revenge there where he just kind of wants to get the better of them and do it within the division for a team uh, that's been known as a Rangers rival. And I think the. <laughs> Gosh, the fact that the Rangers were really playing well and the Flyers just completely cut it off. I think yeah. the Rangers were they won nine consecutive games on the road. Nine consecutive games on the road. Going into um going into that Friday game. night yep. at Wells Fargo. Flyers totally put that to yep. end. And thing. after just again, steamrolling, steamrolling teams in the Metro. I love it. The home and home against the Rangers, I think Vigneault basically just wanted to get back and have a martini. <laughs> yes, he did. And he said he said he had a martini coming his way, uh, which I thought was really which was really funny. Somebody needs to sponsor this man. Right? <laughs> like someone especially when they win the Stanley Cup, when? Uh I like it. He better have I some, like it. Put it better, in the universe. <laughs> I think I saw you tweeted, Brooke, that uh he, he that guy will not uh spend money on a martini once in this city. Uh, yeah, I, I, I quote tweeted your tweet, yes, Jordan. Yes, I you enjoyed that. You didn't just see me. I yeah. <laughs> quote tweeted you. <laughs> so fun stuff there. Uh, and I think it's going to make for a really fun matchup on April 1 when the Flyers go back to Madison Square Garden. I guess we'll have to wait and see where the Rangers are in, tim- in terms of their playoff hopes. And we'll have to see where the Flyers are. You know, right. maybe they're playing uh, for the division or maybe they're trying to hold on to a playoff spot. We shall see, but... Um, I think the whole dynamic of Rangers versus Flyers, Kevin Hayes, Elaine Vigneault, I think it's been a, a cool storyline to add into this season. Definitely. And looking ahead to uh, the game in April as well, I feel like obviously I don't want to throw anything like you said. Nobody has anything set in stone with postseason. But it seems like it's going to be a do-or-die game for New York. Sure. And – Philly really has the chance to just kind of shut things down. Yeah. And I know we're basically a month away till the end of the season, give or take a few days. But it's just – and again, with all the Metro teams, they've just found ways aside from the Islanders, which we'll just exclude them sure. for this. Throw them out. <laughs> yes. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but they've found ways to win against these top teams. And again – Boston they took the two games from Boston as well it's just yep. they keep finding ways to win against the top teams in the league and it might be a fun way to end the season if we can kind of knock New York out of yeah postseason contention yeah <laughs> no I think that would be the icing on the cake I think for Kevin Hayes Elaine Vigneault and everyone absolutely and I wanted to ask you for me a, a real clear sign that I thought this team was different and really a contender was not how they exactly played against some of the top teams. That's been really impressive. But what they did against three bubble teams from February 10th to now, they had a home-and-home with the Blue Jackets, swept them. That's a bubble team right there. They had uh, two games against the Panthers in a three-game span. Another bubble team handled both of them. And then they had a home-and-home with the New York Rangers. Another bubble team Mm -hmm. swept them. They went 6-0-0 against those teams. That, to me, told me that they were not in that bubble category anymore. anymore. They were in a contender category. Uh, that was what really sold me uh, and made me think that this team is not just a fringe playoff team. They're a team that could actually do some damage. What, was there any moment during this uh, run lately that kind of sold you on this team being a contender? I know, honestly, you were really impressed with the team to begin with. 
But was there any moment lately that kind of said, hey, yeah, this team's good? Um, I don't think it's just one single moment at this rate. I feel like every single game I'm picking and choosing like <laughs> the best moments, who stood out, who stepped up. And that's really exciting because right now you don't really see just one standout player. Like, obviously you have some top players on your team, but it's kind of sharing the wealth. Sure. And not just one person standing out. There's not this star-studded forward that everybody was expecting this season that we wanted to grab a free free agency in the offseason. That wasn't what the Flyers needed. They needed to fill out a few of the holes in the roster, and that's what they did, which is why everything's clicking from the first line to the fourth line, from the blue line, from the goaltending. It's just all clicking. Yeah. And I think just circling back to the bubble teams, previous years they might have split that, maybe yep. gone three and three. But they're going out every single game, and they know that they need to beat these kind of teams. They, they can't play down. They need to keep pushing and make a statement. And they were statement wins, especially all of the, the back-to-back and the home-and-homes. That's I feel like that's got to be a league like record for the season, the amount oh of gosh. back-to-backs that they've had against the same team. But – they're going out and they're doing what they need to do. Yeah. And obviously there are a few games here and there from where they lost against some of the worst teams in the league. But every top team, you can go through the top 10 teams in the division, in the league. Yeah. They've all lost to some of the worst. Yeah. It's sometimes that's just how the game works. Sometimes that's just where the pucks fall. It's Yeah. No, it's true. And I and I, I think the balance too speaks to how uh, how different this team is. We definitely didn't see that balance in years past. And I think when when an Elaine Bigno system is going really well, it's when, like you said, you have four lines all playing, all three of your D pairs are playing really well, and there's a there's a balance there. You can spread out minutes. Everyone's contributing. Mm-hmm. When it's top-heavy, um, and maybe that fourth line's uh, non-existent or the third line's not chipping in, that's when it gets tougher to win. I, I feel like the Flyers have had numerous numerous nights where Claude Giroux has gone scoreless or Jacob Voracek has been a little quiet or even Sean Couturier wouldn't have to score uh and they would win and they would score four to five goals and Jacob Voracek said that the other day he's he's like let's be honest we have not had that in the past where when I would go scoreless or Claude Giroux or Sean Couturier they would lose we wouldn't they would not only lose. lose but they sure as heck were not scoring four or five goals no and they've done that a lot and I think that to me has really sold me. I, I've seen one of the more balanced teams I've seen in a while from the Flyers. Definitely. And a huge, you know, contribution to that is the acquisition of Tyler Pitlick in the offseason. Yes. Albe Kubel has been fantastic as a bottom six forward. And it's just, it's a few things. Again, it's just filling the roster, filling the lines with what was missing. It wasn't we needed to go out and grab this player and restructure the entire team around a star-studded sniper kind of player. Right. We didn't need that. Right. And it's it's showing because, you know, the top uh, player in points right now for the Flyers is Konechny with 60. Yeah. And 60 points. That's the highest yeah. that the Flyers have right now. Yeah. And if anything, that just goes to show you, and they're sixth in the league 
I believe. If that, if it just teamwork, no. teamwork makes the dream work. Right, and, and that's that's what's happening. Hundred so. <laughs> percent. Uh, you know, Claude Giroux scores 102 points in 2017-18. They get into the playoffs on the very last day of the season. He carried them he carried with them. the hat trick against New York. Yes. I remember. I was like so nervous, and back then it was. When I was I was still in school, yeah. I still worked in retail. I was like, I was panicking because I was working during that game, and I was in the back when I wasn't supposed to because I was watching the game. Obviously, go. did I get written up? Maybe, yeah. but psh, for the love it's of the okay. game, though, for the love of the pucks. I was like, they knew what they were getting into when I said I was like, yeah. listen, this is an important game. Yeah. So. So what if they fire you? Right, but I just, I just, <laughs> so what? I hope you didn't get fired. I didn't. Okay, I good. didn't because I did it during the playoffs as well. <laughs> when, they yeah, played, when they played Pittsburgh. Where's so, Brooke? She hasn't sold anything in like two weeks. Uh, she's watching the game. Well, it's just, if Giroux didn't do what he set out to do against game 82, yeah. most important game, do or die, they wouldn't have even made it into the postseason. Yeah. And if that were the case in previous years compared to this year, it's just completely different. Like if it, God forbid, comes down to game 82, which I knock on wood, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah. We have so many other players that we can rely on now. And that's something that they have not had in previous years. They haven't. And – like you said, Travis Konechny leads them in scoring. He's projected to finish with around 76 points. And, like, that's crazy. And But it's, 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 it really lends credence to their balance, uh, what Vigneault's system can do when it's clicking. Uh, it's It could be any guy any night, and that's an mm-hmm. exciting thing for the Flyers. One thing I wanted to ask you, they have some good decisions. I think this team is playing so well, and it's been so exciting that they're right now kind of boxing out Shane Gossespierre and Joel Faraby. Like those are two guys that I think everyone going into the season had um, a lot of optimism around in terms of Shane Gossespierre becoming that point-producing guy again, sure. and Joel Faraby being that young kid who could come in and really put a stamp on this team in his rookie year. Those guys aren't playing because they're going so well right now. I think that's a good thing to have. Do you foresee? Shane Gossespierre eventually getting back in the lineup, and do you foresee eventually Joel Farabee getting back here? If I'm being honest, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Right. Do not try and adjust unless they clinch that playoff spot, but then you know that they're going to keep fighting for home ice. Right. So the fight doesn't end as soon as, you know, they clinch a, a spot. They're going to want to keep pushing forward, but – and it, it's a shame because – you know, Farabee was really getting things going, especially, you know, for a kid that young to come right out and just look so comfortable and transition into the NHL so well. And then same thing for Gosh-Despair. He's been on this team for years now, and he's considered – he was considered one of the veteran defensemen on the ice before they brought in, you know, Niskanen and Braun. But – if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Don't. And I would love to have this problem every season where it's like, how do we fit in our other two great players into our already great lineup? Like, yeah, it's true. It's a great problem to have. It's the same tangent with the 
the goaltending. Yep. Like, who do you go with? But right now, they're they're sailing. They're yeah. cruising. And, you know, if they keep this winning streak up, even if they grab a point, it's not do or die. Yeah. Wednesday. I've used that phrase a lot today. No, it's... But if the Flyers... You're so used to it. I know. Good. I know. Good that we're not so used to it this season. <laughs> if the Flyers wound up losing, and I'm not saying that they're going to on Wednesday, it's not a make-or-break game. You right. know, they're still going to be second in the division. Yep. And in previous years, that wasn't the case. Right, and I I think Shane Gossespierre's situation, he's even admitted, hey, the, the boys are rolling. Like, I'm here to support them in that I understand why I'm not back in right now but he's you know he's been a pro and he has said you know I'm going to be ready to go for when my number is called and sure. if it is called uh Joel Farabee's doing the same thing Elaine Vigneault said he doesn't want Farabee to be looking at his cell phone waiting for that recall no go down to Lehigh and he has minutes. that he has that option to do so which right. is great which because is great you don't want to have such a young kid in the league just sitting yeah and then the same thing kind of happened a few months ago with Morgan Frost. Right. He wasn't producing the way that they wanted him to, so they sent him down, and he's trying to get back on his skates and get things going because he had a more difficult time adjusting to the NHL than Farabee did. But the AHL is there. The fandoms are there. Use them to the advantage. If anything, you know, it's only going to be beneficial for them in the long run. Right, and I think we'll have to see some serious breakdowns in the back end for maybe multiple games in a row for Shane Gossespierre to get back in there because Justin Braun and Robert Hag have been so good. The entire D uh, D group has been really good. So I really think we would have to see consecutive games of really poor play in the defensive zone for that to warrant to say, hey, we need to change something right now to fix right. it. So, hey, good for the Flyers, uh, good for Robert Hag for playing his way into the lineup and holding his role no, and, nobody would have expected that at the start of the season. That is the no. one thing that did catch me off guard. Yes, I thought Robert Hag was going to be your security blanket. He'd be this mm -hmm. nice seventh defenseman that brings a physicality to the game. And if the yep. Flyers needed to go to him from time to time, hey, he's there. No, he's gotten in there and he's earned himself um, an everyday job. And Shane Gossespierre unfortunately dealt with a really difficult injury that required surgery and then it required a conditioning stint because he was dealing with some after effects from it. And he's in a tough spot now, but uh, he's still very much a part of the picture. And I think when he does get his chance, if he does, he'll be ready to go. Joel Farabee, same thing. I don't think he's far away from the Flyers right now, but I think they would have to go in a very long or very extended offensive lull where they, would, where they were struggling to score. Uh, they're, not, they're not getting uh, some offensive playmaking and maybe Nate Thompson's not really filling his role, and all of a sudden you're looking for a young kid to kind of come up and spark you. And maybe, yeah, they get Joel uh, back up here, Nate Thompson maybe sits as a healthy scratch, or maybe sure. Nicholas Aubé-Kubel hits a, you know, a snag and he has to come out. Uh, but right now things are going so well that you're going to keep a young kid down there at Lehigh and let him get his reps, and Shane will be ready to go when they call him. Um, good problems to have, uh, and we're not even looking at Nolan Patrick right now. That's another thing we it's could talk about is that, hey, crazy. say this, say that, you know, he goes down to Lehigh and gets a conditioning stint. Um, what happens? All then? of a sudden you have Nolan Patrick uh, kind of waiting in the wings. That's a good, a good thing to have too. So, right. It's just so many good problems to have. And then, yeah. you know, 
in previous seasons, especially when a flyer went down, injured, out for any type of significant amount of time, it's just kind of left them with this gap. Yeah. And they have these players, like you said, waiting in the wings, ready to jump right in and kind of not only fill it, but contribute to the same level that they would have if the other player were in. And I just think that that alone is so huge, and that's why they keep winning games, especially like when Hart was down for those few weeks at the start of the year, uh, the new year. Sure. And Elliot stepped up. Yeah. And that's just what you need yeah. from your players. And it's, I don't know, I'll go on and on and on how exciting that it is to have this kind of team. And fans rightfully have, they have the right to be excited because. Yeah. They're talking about playoffs. They're talking about the cup. Yes. They're talking about their team getting hype for in God knows how long since they've last had it. Since yeah. the leagues really recognize them to this caliber. So there's just so many things to look forward to. Yes. And I don't know. I'm giddy. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited too because it makes the games fun. Uh, it makes this time of year fun when the team that you cover and we write about is in it. And the fact that we're debating uh, six and seventy men, and we're debating a, a player being called up, uh, is a really, really good thing to have, an exciting thing to talk about, rather than talking about should they be uh, losing these games? They got a better draft position. Sure. We're not talking about that this time of year, which is which is good. Um, you know what made me really excited? Okay. I, you know, I'm looking at all of like the playoff odds makers and all of this online now because I'm hooked. And I saw not only did they have, you know, the 99.9% .9 chance of making the postseason, almost 13% chance to win the whole thing. They had a 0% chance at the draft lottery. There we go. And I was like, just imagine compared to last season, how they've fluctuated from the worst team in the league to trying to push for the playoffs, and it just wasn't going to happen. Right. And seeing – okay, like maybe we'll get a really good pick in the lottery. Like yeah. it's just to know that that's not a problem we're having now. Yeah. <sighs> I know. Sigh of relief. I remember last year at the midseason point, there was just so much change and they were hiring, you know, they obviously hired a new JBM and then, um, then they had an interim head coach. And I remember I did a story just because this is where the thoughts were among Flyers fans. I did a story where I was able to talk to Jack Hughes and his uh, U.S. developmental uh, program coach. Like, that's where the thoughts were. Yeah. Was, like, could they actually get a top three or four pick? Could they have a chance at Jack Hughes? Uh, and then the Flyer, to their credit, they went on a nice run. Scott Gordon did a really good job. Um, and Chuck Fletcher did a, a very proactive, productive job oh, at the trade deadline in terms of kind of retooling and gearing up for, you know, next season, but not totally taking away their chances at last year. So they went on a nice little run and made the season interesting, and obviously they did not get a top three pick or uh, a really strong chance at the lottery. Uh, but that's where it was. That's where it was. And now to see where they've come um, from that point to now is just really impressive. Uh, kudos to Chuck Fletcher. Kudos to Lane Yo. Oh, yeah. You can't credit the coaching staff in the front office enough this season. Right. Because without them, really, who knows where they have been. They might have fallen on the back on the lower end of the division but yeah we don't have that problem no. so i'm not going to get into it yes they pushed <laughs> a lot of the right buttons they deserve a lot of credit there's still a lot of work to be done 
heck, if they don't win a playoff series, I'm sure a lot of them would look at that as a disappointment. So a lot of work to be done, uh, but they've done a lot of good work. I think fans and everyone can appreciate that. But, Brooke, I do have a question for you. Oh. Do you have a joke of the day to fill in for Katie? Uh, a hockey <laughs> joke of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone has a hockey joke of the day. I mean, I don't even think that I'd be able to... Pull it off like Katie does? Yeah, she just yeah. delivers them so well. She does. So, I just... I'll let the joke live, but yes. I'll do the dab for yes. her. So there you go. I dabbed. That might be like the third time I've ever dabbed <laughs> in my life. You so. did it well. You did it. Katie usually looks like she's having like a spasm of sorts when or she like does sneezing. hers. Or like sneezing. Yes. <laughs> so I kind of, I'm, so. I'm, I'm always kind of concerned for her well-being when she does it. So, <laughs> so it's I nice hope I did uh, you justice ever. No, <laughs> no you absolutely did. Uh, it was a blast having you on. Uh, Brooke, if you could remind some fans where to follow you on Twitter and where to read your work. Oh, yeah. So on Twitter, you can reach me at at BrookeMBCS. And I tweet a lot. <laughs> yes. No, seriously, for those that maybe happen to not follow Brooke, follow Brooke. She's so much fun during oh, the hockey thanks season. thanks for the plug, Jordan She's Hall. She's the president of the Gritty Committee, unofficial president. But uh, the president. Yes, but really the president, let's be real. Thank you. Uh, but a, such a good follow. Read her work at NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. She'll have plenty of it as the, the postseason race gets hotter. Um, and we're excited to talk more hockey. So thank you for following. Brooke Dester, thank you so much. I am Jordan Hall. Uh, wherever you get your Flyers Talk podcast, rate us, subscribe us, and we look forward to talking to you next time. We'll catch you later. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.